Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, I do want to remind everyone, as always, if you're not connected in a small group of people, uh, we encourage you to get into a small group. Uh, the Zoom group's got a new opportunity uh, this coming week uh, for a Zoom group. Uh, they're doing a new study called The End of Me by Kyle Eidelman. Uh, you can see Justin right over here. He's the leader of that group. You can see him for any questions. We will get books in sometime this week. Supposed to be here last week, but we all know how the postal system is. So uh, they will be here sometime this week, but you can see Justin if you're interested in that group. Also, I uh, wanted to announce this because I was told to. Uh, there are free carrots over at the coffee bar if anyone wants some carrots today. So there's a bunch of bags of carrots over there if you want some carrots, if you're a carrot lover or something. Uh, grab a bag of carrots over there before you leave today. Uh, let's see. We've got some dates to note here. do want to say thank you to everyone that brought in cereal. Uh, over the past couple weeks so we can donate to our local food pantry. Uh, we didn't have any big boxes from Amazon this time. Uh, we didn't give as much notice this time either, but uh, the food pantry is going to be blessed. And I believe we've got, not counting today, we've got at least $500 in the Tide jug that's going straight to the food pantry for that as well. And that's what you guys have done. So thank you for that. And uh, you can give today to the Tide jug as well, and that will add on to that $500. So that'll be dropped off. And if you'd like to volunteer to go with us, and uh, meet the people at the food pantry. Uh, you can come with us. Just uh, see me or Bobby today before you leave, and uh, we'll get you the information on when we're dropping those off. Annual picnic is happening at the end of the month, October 29th, right after service. Uh, the menu is fried chicken, rolls, and we got some drinks provided by the church. But we're asking everyone to bring a dish. If your last name begins with A through L, to bring a side. Last names M through Z to bring some kind of dessert. Uh, this is an annual picnic, and it just so happens it's on a fifth Sunday when we do our potlucks. So we're going to combine the two. And the annual picnics, we just kind of get together and celebrate uh, who we are as a church. We go around the room, and we talk about, you know, how did you get here, or what's your story? And we all just kind of have a meaningful moment together, not just about food and fellowship, even though that will take place. Uh, it's about community, the community that we're trying to build uh, here at Journey. So join us October 29th, uh, following Sunday service. Starting next weekend, uh, we're going to be introducing our Halloween trick-or-treat outreach. Uh, if you aren't familiar, which you probably are, we are the church that's known for free pizza during trick-or-treat. Uh, we gave out 750 slices last year in 35 minutes. And uh, we, yeah, that's, you can clap for that if you want to. Uh, that's awesome. And uh, we're looking to hopefully, maybe not double, uh, but we are looking to get more. Say more. We're looking to get more. We are partnering with Hunt Brothers, and uh, we're hoping to get 80 big boxes of pizza to give out um, at trick-or-treat night. So there's a couple ways you can help. Uh, number one, you can give to the Tide Jug to help cover cost of pizza, or if we need to go buy more if we run out in 20 minutes this year or something like that. Uh, you can also bring candy, uh, bags of candy, and you can drop them in this uh, black tub over here. The cereal will be gone by next week. So you can bring in candy and drop in there. And once the pizza is run out, we will give out that candy. So uh, you can help by doing that. You can also sign up to volunteer. We'll have a table over here close to the stage here next week with 30-minute time slots. You can sign up uh, to join us for Halloween night, uh, giving out to our trick-or-treaters. So a lot of stuff happening this month. Uh, we're really excited, really excited to partner with our food pantry, Hunt Brothers, and other other people. Just tell people that Jesus loves them, that he is for them, he's not against them, any way that we can do it. Amen? So we're in a series called Forward Thinking, and we're talking about getting connected. And I don't know how many of you watched our countdown this morning. The song was called Relationship by Phil Wickham. Uh, some of you might know Phil Wickham for other songs, but 
uh, look at his new album. This this song is on there, and it's really, really powerful. God really do, does want a relationship with us. It's not about religion. It's not about a set of rules that we have to follow. It's not about that. It's about the relationship that he wants with us simply because he loves us. Amen? Let's get started. Guys, here we go. Let's grab Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look there in the Bible, and I'm going to guide you through this series that we're looking at from the book of Ephesians, forward thinking and thoughts and getting past our past. And let me say this. Sometimes we get stuck. Say stuck. We get stuck in something that happened in the past, and we really do need to get past the past and move forward and think better positive thoughts and uh, to be honest with you, it sometimes feels like my life just doesn't matter. That, you know, I'm just a little, little small part in the great big old world and all the machinery that is uh, around me seems like I don't have any influence, I don't have any impact. But when you make the right connections with the right people, it's really pretty cool and it really can work for everybody. Watch this. Isn't it nice when things just work? (laughs) Say amen. Isn't it nice when things 
just work. Yeah. Some poor engineer spent months and months trying to figure out how to get all those individual pieces to touch one another, to have an impact, so that we could watch this and be entertained and watch a Honda Accord roll off that trailer. Somebody spent a lot of time for us to get the point. God is better than any engineer that you've ever met. You got marital problems, you got single life problems, you got addiction problems, you got self-esteem problems, you got problems, problems. There is a person, and it is God, who is a designer, who knows what he's doing. And he tells us that when you make the right connections, even though you feel like I'm just some little old bolt in the big machinery of the world and it doesn't really matter or nobody knows me when I show up at this church or I don't really have any friends, it might feel that way. But when you bump into the right person who bumps into the right person, it has a huge global impact. That's what God has in mind. Every little bitty part and piece matters. People matter most. We say that, and God really means that. You really do matter to God. Whatever part of the bigger piece of the puzzle of the world that God has called you to be, your life matters. You push the devil away. You push doubt away. God's working on it. He's working on your part in this bigger picture right now. And so I hope that helps. I hope that gives you some confidence. And so it is true from the Bible in Ephesians chapter 4 that we look at today that with all these individual parts connecting with the work of God and figuring out how to do this together, we are better together. It really does make a impact in families, churches, in our city, our county, our government, our political parties, and the nation. And so it's vital that we figure this out. We've got to figure out how to invest our life to make the greatest impact by making the right connections with the right people and letting God, who is the designer, build something that's really worth the investment, that really does matter. So here we go. It's uh, more than just uh, people are just people and cars are just cars, but there's more to it than that. God has a purpose for each of us, and I'm going to describe it from chapter 4, and we'll read it together, and it starts like this, this purpose of God and having the right connections with God and with people, becoming the best version of ourselves that's possible so that we can become the best family of God that's possible is how God really wants to change the world, and we'll talk about that looking at Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll read it together today. Here's the first point. Here's the first takeaway. Write it down. It's sort of like... The connection and relationship God wants with us is not casual. We have to really take God serious. That's the problem, is we've made God too casual. God wants us to take him very serious because he's very serious about his mission on earth, and it is to tell everybody that God is for everybody, and John 3.16 is true for God to love the world. He wants us to join him and be on this bigger mission. In order to do that, We've actually got to take God serious, more serious, and it's sort of like being married to God. Matrimony. That's the word. Now here, let me say this. Let me say this, and I said this last night. Some of us, when we think about coming to church, 
We feel like I married the mob. I can't get away. They want all my time, talent, and treasure. They want all of me, and I just don't have enough. And it feels that way sometimes. And that's a stereotype that's uh, not true. When we really understand that God wants us because he wants a relationship with us, it's not because he wants to punish us or take things away from us or make our life more difficult. He really wants to bless us. And we've allowed our culture to kind of tell this story that's not true. It's a half-truth. There is some truism that you'll be busy in church. If you're a church on mission, you're going to be really busy. We're busy all the time. Giving away, whether it's silver boxes or trying to build houses or give away cars or trying to start small groups or trying to help people make a Jesus decision, you're going to be really, really busy. But the blessing behind our partnership with God is what he's after, and it's not a curse. It really is something that's important, and it is more like a commitment than something casual. And here's what it looks like. Look at verse 1. Put it on the screen, guys. Paul says, I'm a prisoner, and probably so are you. You make yourself a prisoner of your own decisions and choices you make every day. All of us do. You decide how many hours you're going to work, how many jobs you're going to take, how much sleep you're going to get, how happy you're going to be. You make decisions. We all decide what we are going to surrender ourselves to. It's either the culture around us or it's to God. We all make a decision. We all have some freedom. We all have some choices. And Paul says, I've decided as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Paul's writing to people who are Jesus followers in the early church, and he's writing to us who are sitting in church and writing to you who are watching online, and you're a part of the church. And he says, I want a relationship with you, but it can't be casual. It's got to be more like marriage. And I don't mean marriage to the mob. I mean marriage to a good relationship where you'll be blessed beyond measure, that, that you'll, you'll find that God loves you more than you love yourself. You'll discover this God who really is for you and not against you. Paul says, I've found it. I've discovered a life that is worthy. Verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. In a relationship with God, be patient with God. Be patient with people in church. Be patient with one another like you were married to someone. We, we grow impatient with each other. Those things that attracted us to each other in the beginning when we were dating, they now irritate us. Those things that attracted us to each other in a relationship when we took that job, now that annoys us. And that's why our world becomes so divisive and that's why families begin to have challenges and arguments and difficulties. It's because we forget that this is not sort of a casual relationship it's a commitment to the relationship. And that is work. And he tells us it's worth it. It's worth whatever effort you can make in this relationship with God and with people. Becoming a better person. Becoming a better church. Becoming a better family. Becoming a better employee. Becoming a better neighbor. Becoming a better listener. It's worth it. It is. That's what he says. And he describes it in chapter 4. The way to begin is be humble, gentle, patient, bearing with each other in love, 
like you really were married to someone that you care about, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Paul later says, you should never go to bed angry. Try to keep this unity, try to keep this attitude of we're in this together, try to keep this partnership clear, don't go to bed angry because it gives the devil a foothold. Amen? You need to resolve conflict sooner than later. You need to talk about it. For the best kind of relationship with God and with people and with families and governments and nations, and we're fighting right now in Israel because for the last 50 years, we built a fence between two nations who hate each other. And they're fighting right now. And we're a part of that, even from a distance. And it happens in somebody else's house, too. Your family might not be fighting, but somebody down the street, their family's fighting. And it's for the same reason that we, we let some kind of issue begin to fester. And it, it got worse. And over time, it became toxic. And so be humble, be gentle, be patient, bear with each other as if you were in love and really meant it. Make every effort to stay on the same page, to clear, to clear up any misunderstanding each day in this unity of the big S, the Spirit of God, through the bond of peace. Everybody's looking for a little peace. You can't have any peace until you settle your differences, until you settle your arguments, until you settle the dust. You're never going to have any peace. Amen? God will help you do that. It isn't easy. But you have to work on it. You really, if you want to think forward and get past the past, you have to work on your relationship with God and with people, become your best version of yourself that you can be, and give everybody a little room and a little grace. Try to find a solution sooner than later. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. There's just one church family. There's only one. We don't need another label. Just be a follower of God through Christ who is your Savior. Just be a Christian. Just be one family. It's not rich people. It's not poor people. It's not married people, single people. It's not Catholic. It's not Protestant it's not black or white. It's just people in the name of God are one big family. Say amen. That's how you settle our differences is recognize we are all related. We have options and you have choices and you can eat at different restaurants and you might want to drive a Honda Accord or you might want to drive a Toyota Prius or you might like a Chevy or a Ford. But we're all just a car or a truck. We're all just people. And if you love God and you love people, then you're just a Christian. And so it works best by not using a bunch of labels that's going to divide us. I go to east side. Okay. I go to north side. Well, I don't like you. Okay. Come on. Let's get over it. We're in the same school system. Amen? I go to, I go to church in Cynthia. No, I go to church in Lexington. Okay. I'm glad you do. Well, let's get over that. We got to find out how to work out things sooner than later. We got to work on this like it's the most important thing because it really is. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all. So before we can ever make this relevant for each of us, look at verse 1 again. Paul says, the author, I'm writing this myself. I'm a prisoner because 
I actually believed and took God at his word that he wanted me to be loyal, say loyal, in my friendship, whatever it costs. Are you loyal to God or not? Look up here, just for a second. Don't tell me that you're baptized, and don't tell me that you belong to church, and that you got a Bible, and you, don't tell me those kind of things. What I want to really know is, are you loyal to God or not? And we know the difference. Because we're loyal to a lot of different things. You're loyal to your son's soccer team or your grandchild's soccer game. Or we're loyal to our favorite sports arena or whatever it is. that we're Our, our artist, our musician, our job, our money. We're loyal to things. We know what it looks like to be loyal, not casual, committed, but holy and fully committed to God. Are you loyal and holy and fully committed to God? Is the question. So verse 1, Paul says, I am, I am, he raises his hand, I am, and because I am loyal to God, I'm under a two-year house arrest. So Paul's writing Ephesians to us, and it's this little quad pack that I talked about last night. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. And because Paul was walking around his community telling everybody, even Gentiles who were outsiders, that God loved them too, and they were invited to the Jesus celebration the people who were the insiders didn't like that message and they said, stop it, zip it. We don't want you sharing that with those kind of people. Paul said, I can't help it. That's the mission God gave me. And so they put him under house arrest for two years. Being loyal to God will cost you something. If this is easy, oh, I'll come whenever I'm not working or I'll come whenever I don't have to do something else or or I'll give a quarter, or I'll put a dollar in the bucket, or if it's easy, you're probably not as loyal as you think you are. You know what I mean? If you're married to somebody and it's easy, maybe it's not. Because it's a piece of work to stay married to anybody. Say amen? Like you really mean it, because they start to snore. And man, they need to take a shower. And you're just smothering me. Will you scoot over? It's hot on this couch. And will you turn the thermostat up? No, I said turn it down. I mean to tell you, staying married to somebody is a piece of work. Amen? Heck yeah, they'll drive you crazy. If you say you're loyal to God, I'll bet you're really not. If it's that easy. You're going to have to sacrifice some stuff that you'd rather go do. Like being married to somebody. You're going to have to give up some of the things that you'd rather go do. That's what loyalty looks like. That's the cost he's talking about. And so verse 1, he says, hey, guys, I'm in. How about you? And I can prove it. I'm sitting in my own house and can't go anywhere for a couple of years, but I'm not twiddling my thumbs. I'm going to write these letters to all the people so they might find some encouragement that it's worth it. Say, worth it? Yeah, it's worth it. God will bless your sacrifice to your family. To your sister and your brother and your husband and your wife, your neighbor, even the stranger that you haven't met yet. God will bless that kind of relationship. And so Paul says loyalty and friendship are going to cost you something. Might even cost you a lot if you start telling other people about the radical Jesus who really is for everybody. But for Paul and this relationship with God that wasn't casual, it was really serious and it was committed and it cost him his freedom Verse 1, he says it's worth it. It's like a marriage to God. 
It's like that sweet little girl that you married when she was 18 and you were 20. And it just got better with age. It got better with time. And it gets better with God the same way. When you're really committed and not casual in the relationship with God. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 in the message says, The life you see me living, not mine anymore, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loves somebody like me and gave himself for somebody like me. I am not going back on that. Say amen. I met Connie over here, Connie Grayson, Connie Duncan. And she's the only girl that I ever dated. I met her in seventh grade. I was in ninth grade. We've been married 51 years. And I'll be honest with you, I was not interested in her church. I was interested in the girl. But I wouldn't go into church until I couldn't date the girl unless I went to church. My biggest shock when I started going to church, I got baptized in April. 1972, I got married in July, 1972, and I got drafted in the military, October 1972. My life changed a whole lot, but the biggest change was that God was for everybody. I couldn't believe it. I really, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that God was for everybody. I mean, I knew God knew all of my trick plays, like Yes, sir, Mr. Grayson. No, no, ma'am, Miss Grayson. I knew how to be polite, like, you know, leave it to Beaver. I knew how to, I knew how to play that part real well. When I was in front of the grown-ups, no cuss words, no, sir. My breath, I didn't have any liquor on my breath. Stand up straight. I knew how to play the game. I was good at it. And then I met God, and he already knew it. And I was like, really? And when I found that out, when I discovered that, it was like the Apostle Paul says, when you get in that kind of relationship with God, it's like getting married to the girl that you love. Like she can have everything you got. You want all my money? Here, you can have it. You want my car? You can have it. Because you love that person. You're just crazy in love. Whatever the cost, whatever it takes to be loyal, you'll give it all up when you love another person like that. Not with conditions. Okay, I'm going to love you. Don't you ever make me eggs like that again. I'm, You know, I love you, but don't. You know, whenever we make love conditional, then that's not really love. Unconditional love is what God talks about. In marriage and family, in life, you just got to cash it in. You got to cash it all in, guys. I'm in trouble. I'm on verse 1 and I haven't even got you to the next verse. But I'm just telling you, come on, help me here. Say amen. Quit playing around with God. Quit playing around. You're goofing off. You're goofing off. You got to get in. The whole thing. The whole kahuna, man. You got to dive in. Like you love that person. Like you love that little girl. Or you love that guy. In spite of their faults. I know your faults, but I love you anyway. That's what God says to us. And that's how he wants us to love him back. He wants us to love him with that kind of intensity. And man, when you do it, there ain't nothing like it. There ain't nothing like this 
being committed in love with God kind of moment where you feel God loving back on you. Like you just can't believe how amazing God is. Oh yeah, there are bad things that happen to good people. You end up divorced. Somebody you're married to is just not the right person. It happens. My youngest daughter married 14 years, broke my heart. She's gone through a divorce, been divorced five years. It's a tough thing. It's a tough thing for preacher's family, for any family. It happens. But God loves us anyway. He loves us even through that. Lost my dad two years ago. He wanted to live to be 100. Made it to 89. Tough to let your dad go. I did his funeral. It's tough. But God will love you through that too. Some of you got cancer. Man, your health's not too great. I pray with you. God will get you through that too. Live or die. He'll get you through that too. Stood in your backyard, Mel, we said goodbye to your son who, who lost his life through a drug addiction. God, God will get us through that too. I'm just saying, when you love God the way God loves us, he'll get, you, he'll get us through this thing. He'll get us through whatever has happened in our life. I've got to go on. I better go on. I should go on. Promises and vows are not meant to be broken, so keep your promises to God. Be more than a fan. Be a follower with a commitment. Invest more, not casual. Don't be casual with God. It won't work. Verse 2, verse 3, 4, 5, and 6, God can blend our life together. It can be better than a good marriage. It can be something very special. God wants an exclusive relationship with all of us, so invest in the relationship with God. Say amen. Here's number two. If you do that, if you, if you take God serious and not casual, and you love Him back like He loves you, and you become loyal whatever it costs, giving up friends and time and talent and treasure, whatever it costs, you do it. When you do that, then you begin to serve God and blend in with God. Verse 7, look at this. It, it means that we share our life and ministry together in connections that have an impact. Verse 7, but to each one of us grace has been given. We've all been given the grace of God as Christ apportioned it and handed it out. This is why it says in the Bible when Jesus ascended on high, when he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men, what does he ascended, went to heaven mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. Jesus died on a cross, but he didn't stay dead. Third day he was risen from the dead and he ascended to heaven and he gave out gifts to us on earth so that we might carry on his mission. And so you're in this job, this mission with God that's bigger than ourselves. You're not just some cog, some little part that has no impact. You have a big part to play. Whatever you have, use it for God. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, and some of you just work in a coffee bar. And that's okay too. Some of you just go change dirty diapers in the nursery, and that's okay too. Some of you work in a tech booth behind the wall there, and that's okay too. Some of you have other missions, but it's all related to the family of God. We're on the same mission. Say amen. If all you do is bring in a box of cereal, you're on the team. If all you do is kick in something in your pocket that's not spent already in a tithe jug that we can give away, you're on the team. If you put a tithe in the offering plate, you're on the team. If you're a volunteer, if you open doors for little ladies or little men, if you help another person, you're on the team. Amen? You're making an impact. We all make an impact. Some of them are bigger than others. 
But when we put all this together, it really does work. Teamwork and team chemistry and team first attitude, it's what it takes. It's how you grow the best football team. They're going to have quite a practice, Brian, on Monday after the football game last night. They got slacked by Georgia, and the better team won. And they couldn't repeat the big plays. They couldn't match big play for big play, and they should have got on the bus after the first quarter was over because the game was over. But sometimes life is like that. And you go back to the drawing board like, that didn't work. That was busted. That, that's broke. Let's try again. That's what we have to do. All of us working together, looking for a plan and a solution that God will bless and honor. And, and so you create this opportunity for God to do something bigger than you could have done by yourself. So quit trying to do it by yourself and partner and connect. Be a volunteer. Get in a small group. Be consistent and regular in a church family. If you call it the church family and you only show up three times a year, what kind of family is that? You know what I mean? Make a difference. Make an impact together when you're in this kind of relationship that's, that's really committed and not casual. Verse 7, make a contribution in whatever way you've been graced by God. We don't all do the same thing, but we can all do something. Time, talent, and treasure, put it, to, put it to good use. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. We don't have all the best answers yet. At Journey Church, obviously, neither does anybody else's church. Who knows how to do church after the pandemic? It's a crazy time in the world. It's the craziest time anybody's seen. More changes in the last 36 months in our world than in the last 60 years. Connie and I just came back from Nashville, and we just listened to a workshop, and a speaker tell us that from Barna Research. And Barna Research said, we have compressed what has now become normal that takes about 60 years into a window of 36 months. We don't even know what to think. This is the craziest time in our life ever lived. It's weird. It is. But God is bigger. And so, learn how to work together. Learn how to get along better. Write this down if you're taking notes. Don't be so fussy. Don't be so argumentative. Learn how to work things out. That's a good idea. Is that a good idea? I don't have much time, but can I tell you a funny story? It's not a true one, but it could be. An elderly couple was on a car trip. I'm that elderly couple. Just say it's me. An elderly couple on a car trip stops at a roadside restaurant for lunch. After finishing the meal, the elderly woman, that's not my wife. She wasn't in here last night. but <laughs> After finishing their meal, the elderly woman leaves her glasses on the table but she didn't miss them until they were way back on down the highway. And by the time they had to travel quite a distance and turn around to come back to find them at the turnaround place, the elderly man just started, that's not me now, it's not me doing this fussing. The, the elderly man started fussing and fussing all the way back to the restaurant. He started calling his wife every bad thought he could come up with, everything he could think of. And when they got back to the restaurant, as the woman got out of the car to retrieve her glasses, 
the old man yelled and said, while you're in there, you might as well get my hat too. <laughs> I'm sorry, dear, for ever getting upset. I'm as bad as anybody. Seriously, we got to get over stuff. Amen? Let it go. I don't care what it is that you're hung on or stuck on, let it go. Get help, bury the hatchet, and let's go forward and get out of the past. That's the old guy. That's not the new guy. So let's try to do this together in ministry. And when we do, man, it's pretty cool. Invest in this relationship and with God that's not casual, but it's a commitment. And then nurture that relationship with God and with people that matter, our married partner, our family, our, our kids and grandkids, our neighbors, people we work with. Nurture all that. Make it better. Don't be so fussy and grumpy. And here's number three. When we do that, it eventually leads to our maturity. You actually you end up finding out that I'm not who I used to be. I really am a better person. Look at verse 12. Better hurry. Got to fly. Got just a few minutes. Work hard, and eventually hard work pays off. It's in the Bible. So that we might prepare God's people for works of service, work together, bury the hatchets, give other people grace, Offer forgiveness when you have to and move on so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity on the same page in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become more mature. We just got to grow up, guys. That's what become more mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ then we will no longer act like kids, be infants, not grown up. We got 45-year-old people that act like a 12-year-old. It's crazy. Grow up, man. Grow up. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by every cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Man, you get pulled off in 90 different directions that don't matter a hill of beans. People tell you, let's go do this, and you think it sounds like it's fun, and you're gone in a heartbeat. you got to grow up. you got to find out that your life is a gift. Make it count. Being a commitment to God, not a casual relationship to God. Nurture your relationship with God and with people. And then give yourself to God in whatever way you can serve him. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things then grow up. Say grow up. And to him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Some of you are carrying more load than you should. And other people need to grow up and carry their share as well. Not everybody that grows older grows up. Jot that down. It's the truth. So you got to mature, guys. And maturity is not like going and getting a pair of glasses. Oh, I'm just going to go get a new pair of glasses. You don't get maturity that way. You get maturity by growing and giving and being more and doing more. And serving more and caring more and sacrificing more. That's how you get that's how you grow up. That's how you become more mature. That's how God grows the church. That's how God grows people. And that's the only way. That's how God does it. It is through a lot of hard work. 
It's how he grows your marriage relationship, your your relationship with your kids and grandkids, your neighbors, people that you work with. You got to grow it that way through hard work, investing yourself, giving all your effort, go the extra mile. Bottom line, let me write this down. Life too short for us to get distracted, so invest your life wisely. There's only a few marbles in the jar, and some of us have got fewer than others. So use every marble that you can wisely. Say amen. Man, I rushed through that. We're going to do communion before those kids back there take us hostage and say, come and get me. God love you. He does. And that's what I want to talk about with communion. Some of you feel a little bruised up right now because I touched on some subjects that are a little rough because I know some of your personal stories. Some of you are fussing and fuming with each other about certain things that it's not easy. There's not, not a fast solution, but Jesus is the solution still. He's still working on it and you and whatever the problem is. Don't give up. There is grace. Go ahead and pass the trays, and then you guys hold the cup while I read this. Jesus says to his disciples in John chapter 10, words that hopefully give give us a little bit of comfort after we've been kind of bruised up by life and skinned up a bit and people have nicked us up and maybe they've hurt us and they've been unfair. Maybe we've grown a bit weary and discouraged about the whole process. Like, I don't want to try anymore. It's not worth it. Don't give up. Don't throw in a towel. God's working on it. God has a plan. It does take time. Your life does matter. You're not just some cog in some big wheel, the machinery of life, and God's just turned his head another way. God really is looking into your life right now. Every one of you that are online, and you maybe haven't even come back to any church in person, maybe you're not even going to come back ever. You're just going to worship God from a distance when it's convenient or possible for you wherever you are right now. God loves you too. I'm telling you. God gives us grace that we can't understand, that you can't measure. That's why Jesus came, was to convince us who God really was. We had this idea of God that was way too harsh. You know, this big God that was tough and mean, and He is. He is God, and He can do anything, and He can take us out in a heartbeat. But He also is a God of love that wants to be in this relationship with us so much that He gave us Jesus that would show us how much He loves us, that He would take our place instead of our punishment, He died. I mean, it really is unbelievable. I couldn't believe it when I met Connie that she would love me back, and I couldn't believe it that she loved me all these years. But even more than that, I couldn't believe that God would love me. But He did, and He does, and He does you too. And so John writes, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice, so stop listening to your critics. Turn it off. Turn your brain off for a second. That is not of God. My sheep listen to my voice. Will you listen to God before you take this communion? God loves you right now. You don't have to do anything. 
You can't do anything to make Him love you more. But I need to stop smoking first. I need to stop drinking first. I need to stop cursing first. Yes, you do need to stop, but not first before He loves you. He loves you now. Just as you are. And then when you discover that kind of love, you do want to give up things. Like, I want to love Him even more. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Your failure and disappointment in yourself or in others or in this world cannot take away your relationship with God through Jesus and the gift of eternal life and salvation. Cannot. Not if you have a relationship with Jesus as your Savior. Not if you're trying to work on it and honor it and grow it deeper. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father, I and my Father are one. Jesus says you belong to him. You are forgiven. The cup. Let's pray. God help us hear your clear voice in the background of the music that's playing right now may we hear your clear voice that says we belong to you and that we have given our life to you and you've given us grace and forgiveness in return may we honor that promise and commitment and vow to you to the best of our ability and give us another chance beginning right now God that we might clear the board And nothing matters to me or to us as much as you in my relationship. May I love you even more. May we love you even more. In Jesus' name, amen. Drop your cups there in the little basket. If you've got an offering, put it in the plate. If you've got pocket change and you want to help us buy some more cereal boxes, put it in a yellow jug up front. And we're going to sing another song. Worship team's going to come up here and we'll sing this other song with them. You guys who are home, you join us when you can or at least give us some kind of way to help you from a distance and love on you, pray for you in any way. We really are better together and it really is cool when it all works. When it works together, it really is pretty cool. God is good. Love you.